Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Arskadden coming to you live from North Carolina. Today is a uh, sober day as we have learned about the news of Benny Johnson's passing last night. Uh, She went home to be uh, with the Lord as Bill Johnson posted this last night, saying healthy and free um, in her battle with cancer. They decided to saw the letter from Bethel of saying she went home to just be on hospice care because the treatment she was chemo she was on wasn't really helping and uh, we just want to pray for Bill and the Johnson family as they are members of our body in Christ uh, and they've done great work for standing and advancing the gospel of the kingdom um, and, and so we just want to be with them in this season and lifting them up uh, while they walk through this uh, season of life that is changing for them, um, as she was a strong uh, leader in, in the faith for advancing the kingdom um, and, and what Bethel stood for and fought for out there in California and, and, and everything that's going on out there. And so we just want to mention that first uh, before we dive into our scripture and before we, we look at and pray about um, the things that are going on with this White House, and, and I think it's very sobering to remember um, in this season, life is short. And, and we want to, as Regis talked about, take advantage of every second that we have here on this earth that the Lord has blessed us with um, to be able to be obedient to his calling upon our life uh, to walk out what he has for us here on the earth. Okay, with that, we want to dive right in and continuing to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And we want to start today going back to the very foundation in Genesis uh, of the reminder from the Lord about um standing and praying for not only Jerusalem, but for the Lord's people. We go back to Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, And the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is the the foundation for standing for Israel, being obedient to what the Lord is saying here. As he is telling Abram, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And so we want to continue to pray for the not only just the peace of Jerusalem, but the blessing of the Lord um, for the land of Israel and for his people to come back 
um, to the heart of the Father, uh, not only the Jew, but also the Gentile as well. All right, with that, we talked about yesterday how Israel and the United States were preparing to make a joint declaration because of the basically handicapped government that is there in Israel. There was only so much they could do. And so a lot of the things that were being put forward were really just symbolic in nature. And a lot of it was, um, and we'll go through the statement here just briefly, but there are some things in it uh, that are interesting to see, some things that are quite um, continuing to be alarming, and then also some things that are very contradictory to what the White House and National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan has said. Um, and it will be interesting to see what happens tomorrow, uh, tonight for us, um, as there is an eight-hour hour difference from Israel to here of the meeting that's going to be happening between Biden officials and administration with the Palestinian Authority. Um, so first couple things to kind of go off of is it talks about how they want to further their relationship of standing to support the democracy of Israel, Israel's security, standing up against Iran. That's kind of a big thing. Um, and he they went on and said, and, and they want to stand against the um destabilizing activities, uh, whether advanced directly through proxies of terrorist organizations such as Hezbollah, Hamas, and Palestinian Islamic Jihad. Um, the, the And I will say this. There's, I'm going to read another – go through another report. The Palestinians are not happy about this statement whatsoever. Um, they're – they are very upset. This is not a good statement to have put out before the meetings on a political level. Um, it is somewhat interesting to see how it will play out. Uh, not only do they say this, they say they stand with the Abraham Accords. Biden himself came out and said he agrees with Trump's Abraham Accords because those were started under the Obama administration. And one thing we're finding out about the Abraham Accords is that they do stand for a two-state solution, which is what the Lord is saying, do not divide the land. Um, so that's that's quite interesting, and I think something we need to be fully aware of is, okay, we can on one sense say and understand, okay, the economic relations between the Arab countries and Israel might be a good thing naturally and politically, um, but in the long term is the under caveat of that is um, – and, and I think this is something that we as believers need to be fully aware of on this situation. Uh, when we talk about this Abraham Accord is that it does have that underlying issue. Now, um, it also went on to go on and say things um, about the continuing development of the relationships between Arab and um, Israeli the Israel Israel nations, and he goes on to talk about the the declaration about standing up to the BDS campaign, basically anti semit anti semitic uh, boycotting, um, and they want to fight against that, which is that can be a good thing. And then they go on and directly talk about how they want to stand up to Hamas, which is very very interesting to see. Um, but then they go on to say the United States stands ready to work with Israel, the Palestinian Authority, and regional stakeholders towards the goal of a two-state solution, uh, which that right there is very alarming that they would come out and say that. And what's sad about this is 
Um, not only did they are they standing for this, um, but both the President Joe Biden and current sitting temporary Prime Minister of Israel, Yair Lapid, signed on to this and agreed to this. So they're saying, okay, while we agree to, you know, the government, United States agreed to continue sending funding, we're going to stand for these things, but we're going to stand for a two-state solution. Now, what's interesting about that is the Palestinian Authority are not happy with this. And they ultimately want Biden to, number one, reverse Trump's policies, reverse the Abraham Accords, um, reverse the fact that they said uh, – will reverse the action Trump made by removing all Palestinian offices out of Jerusalem and basically forcing them to negotiate through Israel. And also uh, they're not happy um, – about this declaration, and so they're having meetings in the next couple days, but um, tomorrow. Now, what is very interesting about this is that through all of this, the um, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan talked about how the administration wants to put an office for the Palestinian Authority in Jerusalem. There has been a comment um, from one of the press leaders. From, I'm trying to remember exactly who it was, but there was somebody on the the, the trip that basically walked those comments back. Um, here it is. On Wednesday, White House spokesperson John Kirby had to walk back remarks made by U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on two reports on the Air Force One after he said that Biden administration wants the Palestinians to have a consulate in East Jerusalem. So it's very, very interesting to see that. Um, being played out. And this report from the Wall Street Journal talks about how both Palestinian and um, Israeli citizens are starting to see the reality that a two-state solution is not viable and something that they're publicly not standing for when you look at the polls of this as they understand because of the continued funding of terrorism from the Palestinian authorities and really corruption from the Palestinian authorities that the, the, even the people within the Palestine, within Palestine, the citizens themselves want to stop the movement in the direction that this current government is going towards. And there's a host of issues there. And, and, and look, we don't necessarily agree with the Palestinian authority. We don't at all because of the terrorist style of leadership we have there, but there is, there are Arabs there who don't agree with it. Um, some are Christians, they're, they're Palestinians, and, and they they do want peace. They operate in peace, but it's the the activist portion of the Palestinian Authority, the terrorists who are more than likely, most of them tend to come from outside. They're Iranian proxies, been trained terrorists sent there to cause destruction. Um, so there's there's a host of issues there that are that are alarming um, to go about, and, and this is just a declaration. But it's it's we do want to you know, repent for this action. Like this is this is not this is not a viable option. Even um, I'm reading, going back and reading the um, Alan Dershowitz book, A Case for Israel, and he pushes for there the two state solution is the only option that it just it won't work. And the the benefit the of the hardened stance that the Palestinians are taking is that Israel itself is willing and has been willing to give up land in the past. Um, but for some reason, the Palestinians just didn't want to do it. So, and they digress there. So we just want to continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and intercede for the Biden administration to have the fear of the Lord, um, and really to have the fear of the Lord beyond this issue 
and to not push a deal that divides the land. And right now, the benefit is, number one, the Israeli government is handcuffed on what they can do because of the, the coming elections in the fall and then also the fact of Palestine, Palestinian authorities just will not go for a two-state solution. They want to annihilate Israel. They do off the face of the map. They do not want a, a Jewish state to exist anywhere in the Middle East and, and really anywhere on the face of the earth. And then they want to annihilate the, the, the Jewish people off the face of the earth. And the Lord, again, we see in Genesis, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Um, and it's, it's, it's sad to see and the Holy Spirit needs to come and be involved in this situation. Okay, moving on. So probably saw the news late last night. We, we posted about it, about the story about the 10-year-old getting an abortion. It has actually come out to be quite true. Uh, there was no evidence that it was. Um, mentioned it here earlier this week, and I want to go back and be intellectually honest and, and report when I'm wrong. And so the truth came out, and there is actually is a, 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 an abortion that was done uh, where there was a 10-year-old who was unfortunately raped by an illegal alien, um, which goes to show about a couple things. But then also the issue around this case is the fact that number one abortion doctor spoke about it without the, the consent of the parents, um, so breaking HIPAA violations, uh, which the Biden administration seemingly wants to um, prevent and protect uh, HIPAA violations. Even though they they spoke about this story, even though it's a HIPAA violation, I wonder if they're in contempt and involved in this, liable in some way. Uh, again, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Um, but also the fact is that it was an illegal alien. And you're probably not going to see this from mainstream news media of, oh, look, the president was right. But, well, it happened because open borders. Um, we found out about it because of violation of HIPAA. So it's it's sad to see, uh, but we do want to you know make corrections where corrections need to be made, and this is just this is sad to see. Uh, also, the fact is is I if I remember the story cor correctly, he um, the unfortunate incident happened several times, and, and and this is very very sad to see, uh, but it is still unclear whether this gentleman actually did it so there's going to be investigation so to sit here and say that he is 100 guilty is still kind of up in the air um because there's some discrepancies about him being in certain locations at the same time so th it's this is sad to see this is just a horrible scenario um and, and something we just want to pray for the family involved in this situation all right uh next and kind of really the last big thing I want to talk about, and before we, there's some key victories that have happened in um, Florida and in, and some interesting news out of Texas from a company. Is okay, so we're seeing yesterday the CPI rise to 9.1 percent. Today we see the PPI, the manufacturers' uh, pricing index, jump to 11.3 percent. Uh, year over year, and that's the seventh straight month of double-digit gains, which is quite alarming. So your middlemen um, are seeing higher costs of things um, due to higher energy costs as they persist. And so talks from this administration of, well, this is as high as it's going to get, and it's going to start going down. Unfortunately, that's not what we're seeing because 
understand how this works is PPIs here, CPIs here. PPI is a leading indicator of where CPI is going as it has gotten to the point where companies can no longer continue to just hold on and eat these costs as it's eating into their profit margins of them potentially being able to stay in business, especially smaller mom and pop shops, um, restaurants, small businesses. Uh, they're going to be the ones who have been lower, not hiring their cost, who will eventually have to start doing so in order for them to even stay operational. Um, and then with the troubling news that the the Senate is trying to increase taxes on those very businesses, not only will they be hitting being hit by inflation, they're going to be being hit harder by taxes. Um, so this is does not bode well for uh, small businesses, and, and that's why I want to be aware of this situation and pray for it. And some interesting news that has come out on these negotiations is that because of the 9.1% uh, CPI numbers that came out, and I'm interested to see what happens to the negotiations as PPI continues to increase as the reports due to inflation have hit a standstill, uh, partly because of inflation, partly because of the reconciliation process, which Joe Manchin himself has long stood his ground on of saying we will not go forward with the reconciliation process. And here's one thing to remind ourselves of is not only do they have a deadline of September 30th to pass the next year's budget to begin with, they also have the September 30th deadline to pass a budget via the reconciliation process. So if they don't do it now, they're going to have to try to make some carve out in the next year's budget to be able to do it as well. It's a whole process they have to go through. They only get have this authority right now till the end of September. That's a key pressure cooker, um, but also is the things that they're asking for of not only tax increases, um, spending increases. Uh, Elizabeth Warren wants childcare for everyone, and she thinks it's going to be paid for by increasing taxes on uh, what they're calling pass-through businesses, small restaurant, mom-and-pop shops, uh, family dentistries, things of that nature. Um, that's how they're supposedly going to be able to fund it. You tax the wealthy, and then it'll help the poor, supposedly. Um, Joe Manchin knows that that's not how economics works. Uh, he also does not. He has made this statement. There's nothing about him saying this in these reports. Uh, but if you remember when we we listened to some of his radio commentaries and read some of the reports of the statements he made, he has said that he does not believe that child care needs to be paid for via the federal government system. It needs to be paid for via the state system as his state in Virginia pays for it for the people in his state. So he's he knows it can be done at the state level, and he says that. Now, with all that being said, it's most likely not going to get done a full budget. The, he, Joe uh, Manchin is standing for and pushing for the um, – the prescription drug bill, which is kind of interesting because President, when President Trump was in office, he already passed that uh, via an executive order, but it needed to be codified into law. And so they kind of they took it away, and then now they're trying to look at us. Uh, we're trying to do it, but that's another story. But I, I, I this is why we need to pray for both Republican and Democratic leaders because <clears throat> Mitch McConnell came out and said this. This is very alarming, very hypocritical. 
Um, and, and we need to be very aware of the political games that are being played here is that this Mitch McConnell said this on the Senate floor yesterday. He said, inflation is uniquely bad here because our all democratic government has made uniquely bad decisions. Now their answers to picking families' pockets once is to pick families' pockets a second time. He continued discussing um, the majority in Congress of backing tax hikes. Okay, what is alarming here and very hypocritical is the fact of for him to say an all democratic government has made uniquely bad choices. So is he calling himself a Democrat? Because he allowed it to go through. He had them and a political like strong point. He did not have to give in to their whims and their negotiations, but he did it for this moment right here. He knew the decision that they were making. He knew that the continued increase in government stimulus would be harmful to the economy, and yet he allowed it to go through so that he can make this statement for the midterms right now. Rather than him looking like the bad guy, he's saying, look, when this turns out and blows up in your face, I'm going to make sure you're, you and the American people are very well aware of it. That is alarming. That is alarming, and that's why we need to pray for both Republican and Democratic leaders because a disastrous. Knowing that Mitch McConnell is playing politics with the country, people's lives – it is quite alarming, and we just want to pray that they leaders have fear and use fear and wisdom of the Lord when deciding what to do next. Continuing to stand, to support the original intent of this nation, and to stand up for freedom, and, and sometimes that means not doing things. Sometimes doing nothing is the best option. And um, Joe Manchin has talked about how if we're going to push something. In the budget, we need to decrease spending. We need to pay off debt. That is a mature understanding of how to budget not only for one personally, but as a nation as well as we've climbed to $30 trillion in debt. Um, and a lot of it within the, within the last two decades. So continue praying for Joe Manchin. Um, there's, he seems to be the lone ranger on this. Uh, Kirsten Sinema is staying really quiet on this issue, even though before she has said she doesn't believe and want to stand for the reconciliation process and pushing these things forward. And as elections, especially in Arizona, start to heat up, um, it'll be very interesting to see where she stands on this issue um, as Joe Manchin continues to stand. All right. Lastly, some very positive news. In the battle for um, life is in Florida, a judge has ruled that while abortion clinics can try to dispute the abortion ban that was passed in Florida, they the lost the ban still goes into effect and will stay into effect. Unlike in Louisiana, where there's a dispute about banning it and pausing it while they figure it out, um, the judge in Florida said no. We can we can try to figure this out, but the ban still stands because it was passed through legally. Um, and it looks like most likely uh, the ban will stay in its place. And one interesting note is that Florida has 55 active abortion clinics as the new ban goes down to 15 weeks from 24 weeks. And the reason they're fighting in Florida is because they know they're most likely going to lose the bans in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. As a lot of those laws are, are the bans on abortion are very um, – 
solid is the best way to say it. And so they, Planned Parenthood, all the other abortion clinic providers want to make sure that Florida has an option for people to come to and travel to uh, past the 15-week ban. And, and Ron DeSantis has said, I want to go further. Like Glenn Youngkin in, in Virginia, I want to go further. And again, Louisiana is the model on that one. And then lastly, I want I want to read this. This is so refreshing to see in this, this um, interesting time of seeing where companies lie on the stance for life, abortion, and adoption, a Texas company has come out and said that they are willing to offer upwards of $7,500 for families to choose adoption over abortion. And the CEO says that it's not only is it good for the life of the child, but it's ultimately good for business. And I want to read his statement. His statement is amazing and I think something that we can ultimately um, stand behind and um, if we can understand it, uh, really deal with a lot of the, the debates and arguments being made by those who stand for abortion. So the gentleman's name is Peter Rex. He is the founder and CEO of, of Rex, a technology company um, geared towards the real estate industry in Texas. And he talks about how um, it was slamming big companies for offering abortion tourism. And he goes on to say, I want to read this. He said, these businesses, such as um, the list here, Apple, Uber, Amazon, Citigroup, CVS, and the list goes on on Facebook, Tesla, etc. These businesses are ignoring the possibility that many employees may simply need a little more help to carry their baby to term. Instead of blindly paying for people to end an unborn child's life, the companies should consider paying them to welcome that life into the world. That's why my business has decided to give up to $7,500 to employees who want to have their baby and give it up for adoption. For me, the motivation for this policy is equal parts personal and professional. On the former part, I am passionately pro-life, yet there's a strong corporate case to be made against abortion. What he's about to say here is very, very interesting and, and, and very positive for life. He goes on to argue that there's a definite link between abortion and mental health issues, which is not being talked about right now, um, which would reduce productivity and job satisfaction at work. Quite interesting. He also says advocating abortion is short-sighted, and he goes on to say this. He says, even if abortion somehow improves a current employee's life, it also inherently ends another life of promise, that of the unborn child. He continues by saying that means companies are literally limiting the future supply of workers and innovators, and if for no other reason than pure selfish interest, companies should want to expand the pull of human potential, not shrinking it. And he, along with the uh, insurance company in Texas, Buffer Insurance, uh, is making public stances for this. Now, I know nothing about this company. I didn't look at them before. But for him to come out and say this, I think it's, it's a good kind of bursting of the bubble for this, well, uh, what about the career of the woman, et cetera, stuff like this? What about the mental health? What about the physical health? Um of the woman who gets an abortion afterwards. What what happens there? There's no talk about this. And I think this brings up some good points of, hey, let's look at the full-term um, understanding of not only the, the loss of life of the child, but what about the mental health and physical health of the mother afterwards? 
Does her productivity decline or increase? Does she become um, um, satisfied or unsatisfied at work? And then also the fact of is him saying that, look, we need more people, human potential within our society to be able to pull from, gain from innovators, uh, speaking to the, the destiny that the Lord, Psalms 139, which talks about, you know, he knew us before we were even in our mother's womb, written about us, and, and that we have a call on our lives. And I think this is just a, a great um, statement to stand stand behind again. I know nothing about the company, but it's, it's a positive argument. And even if his company doesn't succeed, uh, which I pray that it does, it is what a great argument to stand up and let it be known where he stands and that it is very short-sighted for companies to go over this uh, abortion tourism uh, movement that they're doing in hopes that they think it will eventually um, help them in the long run. So with that, I will end uh, free. We have no noon prayer today as we usually take up on Thursdays, but we will tomorrow to close out the week and we'll close out the week um, here looking at and I'm, tomorrow I want to look at some of the future implications for the office of the president of, of what to look for what to pray for and as we go into this weekend how do we can continue to pray for not only the office of the president but for our nation's um, stance with Israel and hoping that we continue to bless Israel and not curse it uh, so I'll see you in